0: So thankful to be here today and to celebrate our Lord with you this morning. I'm curious as we begin, have you ever noticed that in life, uh, when things seem to be uh, going really smooth in life, that it's real easy to have a tendency for us to neglect to spend time in God's Word and in His presence? It's easy to forget. Just how much we need God's guidance and His presence in our lives when life is going really, really well. And in those moments, if we're not careful, then we'll have a tendency uh, to become extremely casual in our devotional lives. We might even have a tendency to neglect uh, daily prayers and devotion in, in the Word of God. But then the course of life happens, and suddenly an unexpected crisis comes our way, something that shakes us to the core. And in that moment, we suddenly realize all over again just how desperately we need God. And so we begin to frantically seek Him out. And hopefully we turn to His Word, searching for verses of comfort, verses of guidance and assurance. We long for the assurance that God hears us in our pleas and is working things out in our lives for both his glory and for our good. Thankfully, God is faithful all the time. He is faithful. Scripture even tells us that he is faithful when we are faithless because he cannot deny himself. So God is always ready to hear our prayers, to receive and to respond to our prayers when we earnestly and sincerely seek him out and so i want to encourage you to take your bibles and if you're not already there uh, turn it to psalm chapter 63 psalm chapter 63 david wrote this particular psalm at a time in his life when he desperately needed the presence of god now what exactly is happening that made David write this psalm is relatively unknown to us. It doesn't give us specific details in the psalm in and of itself, but we can extract an idea based on some of the things that we see. For instance, notice the heading. The heading of this psalm says the Psalm of David when he when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So so we know that this was a time when he was in, in the wilderness and so verse number 11, he's referring to himself in the third person. But verse number 11 tells us that this was the time when David was king. So when he was in the wilderness and a time when he was king, we know in David's life that there were two extremely difficult seasons of life. One was when he was on the run from Saul prior to becoming a king. So it's highly unlikely that it's during that time. But then there's another time when his own son attempted to overthrow him. It's more likely that this psalm was penned during that season. Now before we begin to look at this uh, psalm in detail, I need to remind you of a significant biblical truth. And that is understanding the difference between uh, how the Holy Spirit interacted uh, with Old Testament and New Testament. You see, Old Testament believers were not blessed as New Testament believers are today by having God's abiding presence dwell within them in the form of the Holy Spirit. Today, you profess your faith and trust in Jesus, you repent from your sins and turn to Him, then God seals His promise by depositing the Holy Spirit into our lives. But in David's day, things were different. The Holy Spirit, God's presence, manifested itself in the tabernacle. In this psalm, David is exiled from Jerusalem, which means he is far removed from the tabernacle. So he's far removed from the very presence of God. And so as we look at this chapter, my prayer, my desire is that that God would kindle within each of our souls the deep passion and love that is comparable to the passion and love that David has for our Lord. The question for us today is not whether we as God's people, will we face wilderness experiences in our lives? The answer to that question is absolutely we will. No, the proper question is, how do we face those experiences in a way that seeks to glorify God? And I believe it is to this issue that David speaks from and from which we can learn from this morning. And so may you understand that it begins with a proper focus. It begins with a proper focus. Look at verses 1 and 2. It says, O oh God, you are my God, I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water, thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to seek your power and your glory. In the midst of his wilderness experience, David occupied himself and his thoughts with God, not with the wilderness experience that he was dealing with. How easy it would have been for David to preoccupy his mind and his thinking with his circumstance rather than properly focusing them upon our Lord. David could have asked questions like, why? Why was this season of life happening to him? Why, why would God allow this to happen to him? Why? why, why? He, if he wasn't careful, he could have become extremely bitter with God that God would allow this hardship to occur in his life david very easily could have began to have doubted the promise of god but david doesn't become bitter david doesn't cry out why is this happening to me david isn't doubting the promise of god no it begins with a passionate plea oh god you are my god i shall earnestly seek you David's experience in the dry and waterless land of his wilderness journey prompted him to think about the soul, his soul and how it thirsts for God. And so David, in the midst of it all, saw the hardships of his life and it reminded him of his passion and his commitment to our God. Which is an interesting thing that happens here. Because what life does to us really depends on what life finds in us. What life does to what the circumstances do to you is determined by what the circumstances find in you. And here, David has a deep love for God. He has a strong desire to please Him. And so the psalm begins with the proper focus, and that proper focus leads to praising God because it continues. Look at verse number three. It says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I'll bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. Instead of complaining, as we're so prone to do when life becomes difficult, instead of complaining, David sings praises unto the Lord. And in here, David is reminding himself of the loving kindness of God. Now, that, that word that's used, the loving kindness of God, which means he's remembering all the kind acts of God that has been done on his behalf that reveals the heart of love that God has for his children. And so he reminds him of that in verse number three. You look at verse number seven. In verse number seven, he says, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. He's reminding himself how God has helped him in the past. So uh, on the basis of God's kindness to David in the past, David knew that in his present circumstance, he had absolutely nothing to fear. Because the same God that had tenderly cared for him in the past would be the same God that would provide that care and that guidance in his life in his present circumstance. It's so important for us to remember what God has said and what God has done in the past. Because the more we remind ourselves of what he said and what he's done in the past, the better equipped we will be to face whatever it is we have to deal with today. The children of Israel constantly messed this up. Uh, Their constant failure to remember what God said and what God done in the past led them to a life of rebellion and disobedience as they marched to the promised land. And so this psalm teaches us an important, vital lesson in life. And that lesson is this, the more occupied that we are with God, and the more occupied we are with uh, the heart of God and His love for His children, the more occupied we are with God and His love for us, the more bearables our trials and circumstances will be in life. Because we'll have a proper understanding of who God is and how He's working and how He's moving in and through it all. Meditating on God's love. Move David to praise God. And notice, it's just not words to David. David praises God openly and audibly. He's not afraid to raise his hands and worship unto God. He's not afraid to express his worship audibly so others might hear. And so his proper focus led to praising God. The constant praising of God helped to develop within himself a satisfied soul. Verse number six says, When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you, my right hand upholds me. David's heart, in the midst of this circumstance, David's heart is completely at peace. In the midst of his wilderness experience, David was able to go to bed and calmly worship the Lord and meditate upon him during the night watches. If you don't know what the night watches mean, for for the Jewish people, night watches were developed or or broken out into three different time segments at night. The first watch would occur from sundown until 10 o'clock at night. The second watch would be from 10 o'clock at night to 2 o'clock in the morning. The third watch would be from 2 in the morning until sunrise the next day. And so what David is saying here in this passage is that whenever he awakened during the night, he immediately remembered the Lord. That phrase, remember you, that that, that means to, to recall what God has said and what God has done in the past. Remember, as we remember what God has said and done in the past, that we can be encouraged and understand how he's moving in our present circumstance and situation. And there are a lot of reasons for us to, to be restless at night. I don't know if you're one to, to be prone to restless nights and the inability to, to go to sleep. I'm thankful that I've been blessed by not having that issue in life. Give me a pillow, let me lay my head down, and I could be out just like that. But I know for many, it's not the case. For many, there are lots of issues that you could be focused upon as you lie down at night that keeps you awake. It might be an illness, stress, could be fear, anxiety. May you know that those sleepless nights could be turned into quiet times of reflection and worship. Instead of lying in bed, staring at your ceiling, ceiling and counting sheep after sheep until you fall asleep, use that time to count your blessings about how God has loved you and proven that love to you time and time again. And as you remember and as you reflect on how God has led you in the past, and has, how he has helped you in the past, as you remember God's faithfulness and his loving kindness to you, then may you also receive peace, peace, and hopefully, ultimately, rest. See, proper focus leads to praising God, and praising God leads to having a satisfied soul, and having a satisfied soul, oh, that leads to a person rejoicing in God. He continues in verse number 9, he says, But those who seek my life to destroy it will go into the depths of the earth. They will be delivered over to the power of the sword. They will be a prey for foxes. But the king will rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him will glory. For the mouths of those who speak lies will be stopped. What David is saying here is that based upon his knowledge of God David knew that his enemies would ultimately be destroyed. But notice that David doesn't rejoice and and celebrate because of the destruction of his enemies. No, David rejoices in the God of Israel. Not only that, his rejoicing leads other people to to rejoice and praise God with him. And So so, so think about it. Whatever it is that you're dealing with this morning... Whatever hardship that you're facing, whatever anxiety or stress that's building up in the midst of your life, let me ask you this. Do you remember what God has said and what God has done in the past? Do you remember? Will you take the time to reflect on the loving kindness of our Father? Do you recognize that He is still at work today? So, so, do you remember? And do you recognize that he's still at work today? And then, will you praise him? Not just like, will you praise him by raising your hands or or or, or singing out to him? Will you praise him openly and audibly, no matter what, <laughs> no matter where, no matter when? I want you to understand that your wilderness experience will have a tendency to either push you away from God or from the church, or it'll draw you closer to God and to the church. Unfortunately, when life gets difficult, many people will stop following the Lord when that crisis occurs in their life. Some people will get angry, and become bitter towards God, towards other people, or even to the church. Some people will outright blame God for their hardships. Some simply cannot accept that God would allow this to happen in their lives. And so because they can't accept it, they might have a tendency to become hostile towards God Because why wouldn't God just supernaturally act in order to prevent this obstacle from occurring in my life? Imagine how easy it would have been for David to blame God when his own son was seeking to dethrone him. But instead of blaming God, David sought to draw closer to him. And that's the example that we need to follow. We need to cling to God in times of hardship and suffering. We need to trust in our Father that He will strengthen us and sustain us. When other people lie about us, when other people sin against us, Like David, we need to remember that God is righteous and He is sovereign in and through all things. So in His sovereign righteousness, God will take care of the evil ones in accordance to His own plan and in accordance to His own time. God is not obligated to do things the way we want Him to and on the timetable that we want Him to. So remember... Reflect on the loving kindness of God and when those people speak evil about you, when they spread lies about you, when they seek to harm or destroy you, your family, your character, or the character of your family, you can remember that God loves you. He'll take care of you. You don't have to Get in the arena and fight back like that. You can take a better road and a better approach. And that is to trust in the sovereignty of our God. And to seek to glorify in and through all things. Make no mistake. Wilderness experience will occur in all of our lives. Sometimes there are minor inconveniences... Sometimes they're extremely painful events. But in all times, we should hold fast to the Word of God and seek to draw closer to Him. There's a beautiful promise that's given to us in His Word. It's found in James chapter 4, verse number 8. The promise is if we draw near to God, then God will draw near to us. James chapter 4, verse number 8 says to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so you cannot come near to God unless you have clean hands and a pure heart. Unless outwardly you're willing to confess and repent of your sins. That's what it means to have clean hands. And inwardly, you're willing to commit your whole life to follow the King. That's what it means to have a pure heart. It is both inward and outward. A pure heart is a heart that is fully committed to obeying our Lord, to loving Him and to loving others, to serving Him and to serving others. A pure heart is a heart that's totally committed to Jesus Christ. Which means you cannot have divided loyalties. God doesn't allow that. God demands, I would say better yet, God deserves our full devotion. It's not enough to to give Him our lives on Sunday and then to live for ourselves Monday through Saturday. doesn't work that way. It's not supposed to work that way. Uh, those that have a pure heart, they're not double minded. They're single minded, focus, and their focus is on honoring God, honoring His Word, loving God, loving others, walking in obedience to both the Word of God and the will of God. So let me ask you let's just get personal this morning. In the midst of your wilderness experience today, let me ask you, are you wavering in your walk with Jesus Christ? Are you wavering in your devotion and your commitment to loving God and loving His Word? Are you wavering? If so, that is part of the reason why God would feel so, so distant and disconnected in life. So what's the solution? Well, praise be to the Father that He's not quiet on the solution. I just read the solution. James 4, verse number 8, gives us the solution. Gives us the command and gives us the solution. The command, draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. How do you draw near to God? He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's the solution? Repent. 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 The kingdom of God is at hand. I'm saddened. The more I think about it, the more sad I become when I begin to reflect on how the church has really distanced itself from the call of repentance. In in a time where we're trying to Make sure that everybody likes us. We don't want to drive people away by, with teaching that's too hard or too difficult. We live in that type of culture and that type of mindset, and so the tendency is to become soft when we, re- when we need to be strong. The call is a call to repentance. Somewhere, uh, along the, 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 the way here in, in church, especially in church in, in North America, we, we, we've gotten soft in that approach. We begin to introduce concepts such as a time of invitation. Sounds good, right? Seems, seems right. But do you understand what an invitation means? When you extend an invitation, it carries with itself the right to either accept the invitation. Or to reject the invitation. If somebody invited me to do something, it's completely different than somebody demanding that I do something. And make no mistake, the call of the gospel is not an invitation. Jesus doesn't invite us to repent. He commands it. Repent! Repent! And so my, my, my challenge to all of us, including myself today, is a call to repentance. Oh, man, I, I, I'm just, I'll go there. I, I, I desperately couldn't wait until I saw my oldest boy today. I couldn't wait. Because last night, I was just a grouchy dude. I, I snapped. I was rude. I, I was just, it was just unnecessary. I wrestled with it all morning. I'm like, man, I hope he comes to church today and doesn't just get mad and stay at home. I leave the house before most of the house is awake on Sunday morning. I couldn't wait to see him because I knew I needed to get right. I needed to confess and say I was wrong. Forgive me. Repentance isn't easy, but it's not supposed to be. If repentance was easy, we'd be repenting all the time. The message of the gospel is to repent and believe. Repent and believe. In the midst of your circumstance, your wilderness experience today, if God feels so distant in your life today, it very well could be because you are divided in your allegiance to him. You're trying to compartmentalize your life. You give God a little bit of time and then yourself the rest of the time. And God doesn't allow for those divided loyalties to occur in life. Doesn't approve of that approach. He calls for full out devotion unto Him. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Is He Lord? You understand what that means? Is He your master? This is slave language that the new testament uses again we've softened the approach to it so that we could be culturally relevant but when jesus is your lord that means he owns you he owns you he bought you with the price of his life upon the cross therefore because he owns us we are to be his slaves to do what he commands us to do what it's all about May Psalm 63 give you encouragement today. I'll get home and Canaan will tell me, Dad, you did a lot of yelling today. I just want you to hear. And I'll be honest. I don't mind being honest most of the time. Your happiness and your approval of me, I don't really care. I don't. I'm not here to try to win favor among you. I want to rightly handle the word of God and to proclaim his word in a way that wins approval from God. So I'm not interested in your happiness. I'm interested in your holiness. And, And so, in our time of response today, will you repent? Will will fathers repent for the way they've treated their children? Will wives repent for the way that you've treated your husbands? Will husbands repent for the way that you've been treating your spouse? Will children repent for the disobedience that they displayed to their parents? Will you repent from your wishy-washy approach to God, to church, to His Word? call of the the gospel is a call to repentance may god be glorified as we seek to do that father thank you for this day thank you for this church and for your word god help us to love you and to love your word rightly father to have a strong hunger in our life to to know your word and to apply that word to our lives In this time of reflection, Father, as we consider what is it that we need to repent from? What is it that we need to make commitments to? Father, I pray that your Spirit would move among us all, that we're not worried about what's happening around us, that we're totally focused on what's happening within. May you be pleased by what you see from us. May you receive the glory that you do. In a posture of prayer, heads bowed, eyes closed, still seated, staff, eyes, spouses, we'll, we'll be up here at the front. If we could talk with you, encourage you, pray with you in any way, we'd love to do that. As we have this time of extended prayer, what's one thing that God is asking from you in your life today?